welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. You know, Kath mentioned about have a look around and, and this is kind of what it takes to make a Sunday happen and there's an element of truth to that. But of course, church is far more than just Sunday and there's a whole heap of things that happen um, midweek in our church, which is just absolutely phenomenal. We have people going to hospitals, we have people going to schools, be it high school or primary schools. We have um, ladies that are running our kids um, group meetings, uh, play group, sorry. Uh, we have guys that meet every Friday night in town at the soup kitchen. In actual fact, we just partnered with the Salvation Army um, because obviously they have the name and, and, and they have the rights and they have the opportunity to go in and uh, be a blessing. And as more and more of the guys and girls from our church have gone there, it's pretty much our church running and keeping that whole thing going, which is phenomenal. And so I just want to say, you know, it's not just what happens on Sunday, but it's what happens right throughout the week. And uh, we're looking just to increase our sphere of influence in our community and abroad. Got a few exciting projects and things that are coming up for next year, which we'll let you in on. So uh, one more time, give everyone that is in this room a round of applause for somebody. That'd be great. Excellent. I don't want to keep you too long tonight, but I just want to share something that is close to my heart. And um, it's something that I've entitled, For Their Sakes. If you're taking notes and you want a title for what I'm sharing today, it would be simply this, For Their Sakes. In John chapter 6, we see Jesus very busy at work. John chapter 6, verse 41, he's busy with the crowds. In John chapter 6, verse 60, he's busy with the disciples, of which many left him, I might add. In John chapter 6, verse 67, he was busy with the 12. And in John chapter 6, verse 70, he was busy with one guy in particular, Judas. From this we can see that Jesus was simultaneously involved with four groups of people on the same issue in the same day. He was pulled by four groups of people at four different directions all at once. And this was part of his daily life for some three years. I share that with you tonight because I'm sure many could feel the same as Jesus would have felt in that you feel pulled in many directions all at once. Let me see a show of hands. You feel like you've been pulled in many directions, be it in keeping your marriage together, um, finding time for the kids, then having to go to work and then trying to find time for yourself. On top of all that, to be asked by the local church, to volunteer your time for ministry. This being true, and it is true. For me to say that's not a truth would be to lie to you. That is, that is a pressure and that is a reality that we face when we say yes to God's ways. When we say yes to getting married, when we say yes to children, when we say yes to work, when we say yes to trying to find time for ourselves, and then we say yes 
to volunteering in some form of ministry, there's this massive pressure on us to want to give up and give in. And if you haven't felt like giving up or giving in yet, you're probably a brand new Christian or you're probably not giving that much or putting that much in. As I look around this room and knowing the amount of work and effort that goes into making this church what it is, I'm sure pretty much every hand would go up if, I've, if I was to ask the question, who here has ever felt like giving up or giving in? And you know what? I don't think that in and of itself is a sin. You feeling like giving up. Some of the great men and fathers of the faith felt like giving up and giving in. Elijah, after one of the greatest battles of his life, was battle weary. And he found himself under a tree and he said, God, take my life. I've had enough. In other words, the pressure got to him and he wanted to give up. And so feeling like you want to give up isn't a sin in and of itself. I just want to set you all free tonight and say, you know what? That pressure we face, that is part of ministry. It's not that you're doing anything wrong necessarily. It's not even that you're being overworked necessarily. It's part of ministry. The pressure of saying yes to God can be extremely intense at times. Now, I'm not talking about you being unwise with your time. I'm not talking about being silly. And that's a great thing that be, about being plugged into the church and part of connect groups and, and having relationship with leaders is that we can get some healthy perspective. But let's assume that the healthy perspective and the healthy balance is there. Even when that is in place, you can still feel like you want to give up and the pressure is so great. But that's the part of ministry. That's part of the cost. It's part of the weight. I'm sure when Jesus was going to the cross, he felt like giving up at times, but that was part of his ministry. Ministry um, is not giving up when you feel like giving up. That's ministry. It's praying for someone when you feel like being prayed for yourself. That's ministry. It's feeding others when you yourself are hungry. That's ministry. It's standing for what is right when you can't prove it's right. That's ministry. All those questions that come our way, who created God? That's a hard one to explain. Keeping your word when others don't, that's ministry. Not telling what you know about people that would exonerate you when others are spreading lies about you, that's ministry. Covering people who try to damage you, that's ministry. Years of unseen faithfulness in the ordinary, mundane things. That's ministry. Not giving up when others do. That's ministry. That's the mark of the Christian. That's the mark of the Spirit-filled believer that's the mark of the Christ follower 
Not giving up. It's carrying your cross, whatever that cross is, and you feel like dropping it. That's ministry. When others are going to the beach because it's a beautiful day and you've made a commitment to God, which means a commitment to church, that's ministry. It's being in a volunteers meeting on Tuesday night when others are watching Survivor and others are watching X Factor. That's ministry. Anyone can sit in front of the television, but it takes a Christ follower to get yourself out of the house on your birthday, maybe. That's being a Christ follower. It's not doing everything you want to do when you want to do it. That's ministry. That being true, all this can be draining, particularly at an individual level. See, what exhausted Jesus was not the crowds, but his 12. Have you noticed that? It wasn't the 5,000 that exhausted Jesus. It was those 12. They almost wore him out. As we've heard from up here, from different preachers at different times, someone can drive past you in the car and, and, and stick their finger up at you and it can hurt for a little bit, but because you don't know them, it doesn't really touch you. But it's when you get home with the people you know and the people you love and it's when your kids haven't tidied their room or it's when your wife hasn't made the dinner or it's when your husband hasn't put his socks and jocks away or whatever the case may be. That is tough. It's not the crowd. It's not those that we don't know. It's the people we do know. It's the people we've invested in so much time and effort and they're still stuffing up. If that is how you have ever felt, and I have, if we could stop in our frustration and turn it around and look at it from God's perspective, it might just give us a greater appreciation for the love that God has for us. What I found to be true, every, every example that's caused me to want to give up, when I stop myself and flip it around and look at it from God's perspective, I'm the very one guilty of doing the very thing that others are doing to me that frustrate me. But God doesn't give up on me. His love never fails, it never gives up, never runs out on me. And that should be true of us. Your love never gives, what is it? <laughs> Fails, never gives up. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. What exhausted Jesus was Peter denying him three times. That's exhausting. It's James and John wanting to be the greatest. 
Jesus spoke about loving people. And on one occasion, James and John, they're going through a little town called Samaria. And James and John say, oh, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and burn the lot of them? Jesus, what what's got into you? It's exhausting. It's Thomas. Three and a half years. He rises from the dead. All the disciples see him, but Thomas, because he just happened to not be there for whatever reason. Thomas, I don't believe you. And Jesus, oh my gosh. Thomas, look, my hands. My feet. It's exhausting. Their inability to see the bigger picture. Jesus consistently... And constantly having to repeat himself. On one occasion, it's recorded, Jesus said, how long do I have to put up with you? See, when you say things like, how long do I have to put up with you? That's Christian words. When you say, I give up, I'm out of here. That's not being a Christian. The only thing that marks a Christian is a person who follows Christ. People say, oh, you can't be judgmental. But you know what? True Christians, it's obvious who the true Christians are because they follow Jesus. Yeah. All that going on, Jesus continued to invest in these wonderful people. The 12 were the greatest demand on Jesus' life. And the reason they were the greatest demand, and you've got to catch this, because none of them arrived perfect. Jesus saw something in Peter and said, come follow me. And Peter just came. And there was a whole lot of learning on the job. The same can be said for every one of the 12. That being true, 2,000 years ago is the same truth today. We're dealing with people who aren't perfect. We're dealing with people who have got their idiosyncrasies and problems, doubts and fears and issues, baggage. And that creates work for us. Jesus had to work on them while at the same time doing what God had called him to do. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, can this cup be removed from me? Yet not my will, but yours be done. The problem Jesus had was people, but the purpose in his life was people. And so he surrenders yet again to the will of the Father. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, Paul says, Even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I became a father to you through the gospel. 
I believe one of the greatest problems that the church presently faces is that there is a dearth of fathers. There is a dearth of mothers. There is a dearth of older people willing to take care of the younger people. People that will hang around long enough to see change in others. I think that's being a Christian. It's certainly what we see in Jesus. But it will frustrate you. It will exhaust you. But it is the only model that Jesus left us. And after all, he did say, follow me. I can't help but think we've got this fatherless generation because too many fathers and mothers have complained about the volume of the music, the style of the music, the size of the church, that it's not like it used to be. And we've sulked and acted far more immaturely than the generation that we are accusing of being immature. I believe there comes a time in life where we have to understand that not everything is about us. And if we as adults don't learn that, how is the next generation going to learn that? If you hated every song we sang tonight, there's a place for you in this church to come alongside, bear with, help, nurture, father, mother, a younger generation. For the young ones who are hearing this, it is not give you entitlement to sit there and say, yeah, that's the problem. Don't even let me start on you guys. We could be here all night. But I believe the same principle applies to you, that as you've received, so you should be giving something back to the younger ones. I think it's fantastic when I see teenagers serving in the kids' ministry. I think it's awesome. I think it's right. I think it's fitting. I think it's godly. But can I also say this? It shouldn't just be left to the women. We don't want just women raising our boys. We don't want just women raising our girls. We want some young blokes in there. Roughing them up. And doing things that the mums think is wrong. We need that. Otherwise we're going to breed little namby-pamby sissies. And perpetuate the Ned Flanders problem. <laughs> Ned Flanders are caused by being over-mothered. But kids need a mum and a dad. And so we need volunteers, men, masculine, strong men, getting amongst our kids and roughing them up. We need that. I love the fact that our kids know who to go to on certain things. When they've hurt themselves, don't come to me, go to see mum. <laughs> if you have found yourself being guilty of some of the things I'm saying, don't, please, no condemnation. Let's just make the adjustment. I do want to say this, that anyone who calls this church home, and happens to be my age or older, I commend you for hanging around with the volume of the music, with some of the things and the lights, etc., etc. 
But I believe that's right. I really do. In John chapter 11, verse 11, it says, After he, meaning Jesus, had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has been fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. The disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought it meant natural sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. In other words, Jesus did many things for the sake of others, for the sake of the disciples. It was for their sakes, not his own. Jesus spoke to the 12 many times, not for his sake. He got it. He was saying it for their sakes. Jesus didn't repeat himself for his own sake. He repeated himself for the sake of others. And when Peter didn't get it, Jesus repeated himself again. If Jesus had made about himself, he would have given up. Because Jesus did not ever have to repeat himself once for him to get greater revelation on what he was already convinced of. But he shared it again for the sake of others. And he sat down and taught them again. There wasn't a teaching moment that Jesus had that was for his benefit. It was for the benefit of others. It was for their sakes. So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. He knew, sorry, I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing there that they may believe that you sent me. So Jesus is modelling how to pray. He says, Father, I thank you that you hear me. And then in mid-prayer, he says aloud, I'm only saying this so that they can hear me. I'm, I'm saying this to you, Father, for their sakes, to let them know that you always hear me. So he's even modelling prayer. Jesus didn't say that for his benefit. He, he said, I, I know you always hear me, but I'm saying it for their sakes. See, there's not one thing I'm teaching you tonight that I am not convinced of. I am not here for me. I don't need to be here today to be convinced of this. I am convinced of it. I am here for your sakes. It's so amazing that people struggle to want to come to meetings thinking, oh, Tony wants us to be all these meetings. I'm the only guy who doesn't really need to be here. I ain't doing this for me. Oh, Tony wants to be all these meetings. I actually don't. I, 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 I could do without some meetings. Most of my meetings, Barb knows, my Tuesday and Wednesday, it's just meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. And not one of those meetings I have to have for myself is for the sake of others. And when you say yes to children's ministry, let's be honest. If you're teaching the children, you don't have to do that for yourself. And if we understand that it's not for us, but it's for the sake of others, we'll keep doing it. If we understand that it's not for us and it's not for our sakes, why do we keep complaining about me and my? If we understand it's not about me and my.
The exhausting part of volunteering, the exhausting part about serving is that everything you do is for the sake of others. And it's the stuff you don't need to do for yourself. Take the car park attendants. They come early, they park their car. Once they've parked the car, everything else, they are not doing it for themselves. If there is one of the most frustrating ministries in church life, it must be the car park attendant when men have to park women. I mean, that. That. And then on some occasions, we've got women parking women. God help us. But, but hear what I'm saying. Once you park your car, everything you do about parking cars has got nothing to do for you. You've parked your car. But we're doing it for the sake of others. Jesus did not come to earth to be saved. Jesus did not come to heaven, to earth to learn anything. Everything he did was for the sake of others. That's what marks a Christian, that we do things for the sake of others. And we don't do it for a month, a week, a decade. We do it for life. Because we gave our life. We didn't give our 10 months to Jesus. Have you ever heard me say, anyone want to give their 10 months to Jesus? And I say, you want to give your life to him. I was talking about this with Matt today about marriage. Imagine walking down the aisle in sickness, in health, till 20 years is up. <laughs> Kath and I celebrate 20 years. I mean, in February, 20 years. I mean, I'm, I'm off, it's off my hands. I mean, it just gets weird, doesn't it? It's till death do us part. And she's threatened me with death many times. Girl power. I want you to catch this. I don't need this meeting. But I think you need this meeting. And that's why we put these meetings on. I would ne- I, your time is too precious to me just to waste your time. But if through this meeting... We can be adjusted in our thinking and get refocused and re-envisioned. Ah, oh, it's all worth it to me. Because this is not a problem for me. This is ministry. It's not, oh, I've got to meet with those volunteers. No, this is my life. I said yes to Jesus. And, and I'm investing in you in this level. You may not ever do it from this platform. But when you say yes to Jesus, you say yes to ministry. And when you say yes to ministry, you say yes to investing into people. And you're saying yes to a whole heap of heartache. You're saying yes with no guarantee that that person you're investing in will come through. Jesus chose 12 and one of them betrayed him. There's no guarantees. I don't want us to say yes to Jesus if they can't. Just do it because it's the least we should do. I don't repeat myself because I've got nothing better to do. I repeat myself because there are certain things that I've shared a long time ago that aren't being done yet. 
I don't mean to embarrass my kids, but anyone with parents knows this to be true. When you are toilet training your kids, you tell them what to do, you show them what to do, you give them a hand, you help them. And then you do that until they get it. And for some, that can take a long time. And for whatever reason, when I ask most parents, it seems that boys take longer than girls to get that right. Girl power again. <laughs> but can you imagine the parent that chucks a tantrum? Well, I've already shown him what to do. I've already shown her what to do. Yeah, it's true, but they haven't got it yet, so you've got to show them again. How many times do I tell them? Here's the answer to that question, till they get it. If it takes a week, do it for a week. If it takes them a month, do it for a month. If it takes a year, do it for a year. If it takes a, I was going to say a year, I just said a year, didn't I? If it takes a lifetime, just do it. And see if people get it. This is servant leadership. It's doing it for others. As Kathy and or Fiona, whoever's up here, just comes to the keyboard. I want you to know that 80% of all that you do when it comes to serving is not for your benefit. So the moment you start using me and my language, you're already slipping away from what service is all about. None of you would be in this room, myself included, if it wasn't for someone investing into our lives. I don't know about you, I feel indebted. I don't do this because I get paid. I, I feel indebted to Jesus, to my dad, to previous pastors, to mates, to people that have invested in me. I feel that, like the Bible says, I'm not my own. I was bought with the blood of Jesus. I've had hours, years invested into me. I'm not my own. I'm not my own man. But I am a man who gets down on myself. I am a man who feels like giving up. I am a man who gets tired. I am a man who loses perspective. And all those things in and of themselves are not a sin. It's what you do with all those thoughts. And I believe it's meetings like this. It's church services on a Sunday. It's daily devotionals. It's having mates and girlfriends in your lives that can help you through those tough times. Some of the things that have helped me have been that cuddle without one word being said. Sometimes it's that, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Come on, lift your head. And everything in between. Servant leadership is leadership that stoops down to the level of those in your world that just don't get it yet. I had a friend who was going to come to church on Sunday and at the last minute got a text message, can't make it. 
And it, it, did that disappoint you? Yes. But that disappointment was matched with, there's another day. I'm going to be around long enough. I'm going to be there for this person until they get it. I'm not going to chuck a tantrum and sulk after all I've done. If that is true, again, turn it around. Look what Jesus has done for us and he doesn't give up on us. Let me close with this scripture. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Let us not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time. What's the proper time? God knows. Don't let anyone put a condition on that time. No one knows. God, the proper time. God knows. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If you flip that around, it's, it's possible then not to reap a harvest if we do give up. I don't think I'm reading into scripture by saying that. So don't grow weary of doing good. What, what is good? Well, good is whatever you'd want someone to do to you. That's what good is. Think of what you'd like people to do to you. That's good. Good is whatever you'd like people to do to you. Would you like someone sleeping around and raping and pillaging and messing around with your daughter? Then don't you do it to anyone else's daughter. That's good. Would you like someone breaking into your house and stealing your stuff? Well, don't steal somebody else's stuff. Jesus said it this way, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Would you like people giving up on you? Wiping their hands of you? Then don't do that to anyone here. If Keith Rainbow just got a mood on and so I'm never going back to church. Would you like that? Well, he doesn't like it when people do it to him. Don't do it to him. I've had a friend in ministry recently just fall and cause a whole heap of confusion and pain for new, naive, brand new Christians. It just causes pain. He had more profile, so there's a bigger sphere of influence, granted. But you have a sphere of influence. And that same pain that others have experienced because of what he's done is what your sphere of influence feels when you just go off and do your own thing. Can I leave you with these encouraging words? Keep going. Don't give up. Don't give in. Because in the end, it'll be worth it. When I saw Dad at his most frustrated, and I've seen him at his most frustrated often, just when I thought I've seen him at his most frustrated, the next time it was another level of frustration, and just when I think he can't get any more frustrated, I'd see, and I, I've been in his world for 42 years. But at his most frustrated, if you know my dad, you, you just have to let him rant for five minutes. And perspective always comes. 
He says, in light of eternity, what's it matter? I grew up with, in light of eternity, what's it matter? In light of eternity, on behalf of Kath and the elders, honestly, I cannot say thank you enough. We love you dearly. We pray for you regularly. This is not just a meeting for me. Sunday is not just a meeting for me. Sunday for me is when we as a family get together and I get to see so many of your precious faces and I know I don't get to say hello to everyone evenly but you know, over a week or six weeks, you know, a six-week period, I'm trying to catch up with everyone and say hello and at least make contact at some level. And yes, because of age and yes, because of likes and interests and personalities, I have, I have friends that are closer than others. But honestly, I and we love you dearly. And it breaks our heart when people give up and give in. And I believe it breaks the heart of God. And I don't want to make an unrealistic statement here, but man, wouldn't it be wonderful You've had no more casualties and just kept building and building and building. I don't know if that's possible, but I know where more of us would just get involved and, and model the life of Christ. The percentages have to go down. If everyone in this room right now said, I'm not going to give up on God and I'm not going to give up on people, it would have to equal something powerful happening. Yeah. You please stand with me. I'd love to pray. Then I'm going to hand back to Kath. Father, I want to thank you for the incredible privilege that is ministry. The joy of being able to give to others what you first gave to us. What a privilege, what an honor. And I pray for the most weary in this place, that through what's been shared and the worship that's taken place and the fellowship that will possibly happen over coffee just in a moment, refreshing would come, vision would come, hope would come, Life would come. Joy would come. It's not a sin to feel like giving up. But it's a cry and shame when we actually do that, Lord. For the sake of your name and for the sake of your beautiful church, may you strengthen us afresh today that we may find grace to serve, not for our sake, but for the sake of others, for the sake of those who haven't quite got it. As you've been gracious with us, May we be gracious with others. As you've been forgiving of us, may we be forgiving of others. We recognize, Lord, this is impossible outside of you. But with you, all things are possible. So grace us with everything we need for life and godliness in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. Love you guys. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.